Yo, Ty. What's up? Yo, I have a question for you, man. Okay. If, if you were to pick one thing in your life, right, on everyday life to your number one priority, what would be your number one priority in everyday life? My number one priority, besides get, not being in L.A. traffic, <laughs> I just took a helicopter from Palm Springs to skip traffic. Here we and are. it's going to take me longer to get from the little airport where I landed in L.A. No, that's not my number one priority. But my number one priority is optimizing the day. So what I mean by that is every day you know certain things have to be done. And you know that most likely and most people will procrastinate. So going to bed without any thought that, oh man, I could have done more. I knew what I should have done. I procrastinated or I misprioritized. Sometimes you misprioritize is just as bad as uh, procrastinating because then you feel like you're doing something but you're doing the wrong thing at the wrong time so if I can go to bed thinking you know what not much I would change about the day that's then I consider it a good day and if it's not going to be like that every day so what you have to do if that day if at the end of the day you don't feel like you did it it's going to happen you just don't want it to happen more than about 20% out of the time about two days of the week, you should be slack, and the other five, you should get a lot a lot done. And it's not just about accomplishing things. It's not just about checking off a checklist. One of your things you could have focused on that day is just taking a vacation. So then you want to go to bed knowing that you optimized for the vacation, like that you actually weren't working, you weren't stressing yourself out, out you were focused on lowering your heartbeat, <laughs> your heart rate, lowering your blood pressure, lowering your cortisol, uh, fight or flight reactions. And so it changes day by day, but that doesn't change. Because if you end up in a life where you have a ton of regret, then not only do you feel less happy in the moment, but there's a second part scientists have found of happiness. Happiness is not just a one-way thing. It's not just... I feel good in the moment. They call that hedonic pleasure, but you also have what I call investment pleasure. So you have to know how to do things that you'll have enjoyment right then in the moment, but you'll also look back in on your memories and say, yes, my life was pretty much lived the right way. And that also contributes to happiness. So really, yeah. So if your priority changes every day, what would be the three things that you you know the top three things that you that takes that it takes to be successful and uh, and wealthy. If if your priority changes on a day to day basis, what are the three things you should be optimizing for the most? So the three things that you should optimize for the most, if if it's a moving target, sometimes the things that shouldn't change. Uh, I would even say there's four. You know, I talk about this: health, wealth, love, and happiness. Four things. The first one you have to optimize for every day, pretty much. Most people don't work out enough. They don't move enough. You need to move three to four hours a day. Um, that's what scientists have found. Now, that might seem like too much. It doesn't mean you have to go on a treadmill for three or four hours. It doesn't mean you need to be at a gym. But if you can spend three hours a day moving, whether it's at the gym, playing a sport, taking a walk, walk jogging the dog, you know, jogging with the dog, um, those that's really what you have to do because what people do instead is they just go 45 minutes on a treadmill and then they sit for 12 hours and it's been shown scientifically 
In fact, the government, the U.S. government published a report that 45 minutes of exercise doesn't offset eight hours of sitting. Number two, and a treadmill desk is a great thing to do uh, if you want to get some movement in while you work. The second thing that you need to do is optimize for wealth. You have to create, and, and wealth breaks into two parts. There's two parts of creating wealth. One is positive monthly cash flow. So you don't want cash flow once a year, like where you get a big bonus, because it's too risky to get it once in a while. It's too much time in between. And obviously it needs to be positive cash flow, because a lot of people make 5,000 bucks a month and spend 6,000, so they're just going in credit card debt. And then the second part, so once you understand how to create positive cash flow, the best way to do that is either a really good job or having a part-time or full-time business on the side that you own or you're a partner in or you're um, involved in at a point where you can get a higher pay than just a low-level employee. So you, you, that's where the income comes from. Then wealth is created by long-term appreciating assets. Most wealth is not created in a short period of time. The average millionaire takes 12 to 20 years. Now, you, I believe that it's possible to do it faster, and obviously there's proof all around us of people doing it much faster, but one common denominator is once you start creating positive cash flow for yourself, you have to save some of that money, and you can't just put it all, I mean, you could, but you probably don't want to put it all in a bank for cash because the interest doesn't even keep up with inflation. So you want to have appreciating assets, and those long-term assets, they're not necessarily making you cash flow every day, but they're appreciating while you sleep. They start out worth 100,000. Turn that off. All the way. Uh, 100,000, and then maybe you, years later, they're worth 500,000 or a million. And one of the best long-term appreciating assets is real estate because it's tax deferred. So you don't pay taxes on the appreciation of a real of real estate until you sell it. And even then when you sell it, you can defer the taxes even more by doing what's called a 1031 exchange where you get another piece of property, roll the money, the profits from one into another and you don't have to pay for the uh, you don't have to pay taxes. Legally, you don't have to pay taxes. So another thing wealth creating you know, so that's the second thing you have to optimize for wealth. The third thing is you got to optimize for social life. You have to know how to network. You have to know how to find good people. You have to know how to create what I call a bubble. Some people call it a tribe. And then keep most people out of it because most people do not have your best interests at heart. You need to know, you know, how to deal with family. Some family's easy to deal with. Some's annoying. You got to build that skill. You got to know how to deal with friends. What happens when a friend betrays you? What happens, how do you read people? Like if you want to date a guy or, or you know a woman, you have to understand how to read people so you don't end up paired up, matched up with a horrible person. And that, that happens at least 50% of the time, if not more, those are bad odds. So that's the third thing, pillar of the good life. And the last thing you have to optimize for is happiness. So you can have health, you can have wealth, you can have, you know, love and friends, and you can still be unhappy. That happens a lot. A lot of celebrities have that happen to them, for example. And so you have to know what is it in our DNA that we're coded to need to be happy. For some people, 
it's different. Sigmund Freud, in his book Civilization is Discontent, said there's about eight things that people use to be happy. And you, ha he said, just like a, he, it's interesting, Freud said, just like a businessman doesn't invest uh, all of his money in one uh, investment, he diversifies. You have to diversify your happiness. So people get happiness from chemicals, common one, drugs, alcohol. It gives them temporary happiness. And you should probably have a little bit of that. Not necessarily hardcore drugs, but, you know, drink a little wine every once in a while. That's a certain level of happiness. Then you have what's called aesthetic happiness. Aesthetic happiness is happiness that is, uh, how should I say, happiness that comes from beauty around you. Maybe it's art for you. Maybe it's music would fall under that. You know, the arts and the aesthetic. So music is, for many people, one of the primary sources of their happiness. But you don't want it to be primary. You just want it to be one of many things. Another air, uh, thing people use to be happy is inward happiness by withdrawing from some of the stress of the world, meditation, things like that. Again, each of these, Freud says, has its flaws, though. And that's a key thing. Each of these things have flaws. They're not perfect. For example, one of the other ways you'll find happiness is through love, romantic love. But as Freud said, romantic love gives you the biggest high, but when somebody you love stops loving you back, it also brings you the lowest low. That's why if you put all your eggs in the one basket of love, that's dangerous, you know, because it's very easy for one of those to fail. But if you have six or seven of them working in your life, if you've got love, if you have inner happiness, meditation, using inner focus to bring happiness, if you've got some art, music in your life, if you've got some chemicals every once in a while, um, you know, these all, that's just three or four or five of them, if you can add all eight of them, then you really are on to something. Religious happiness is one of them, where you're not just focused on the material things. So yeah. So that's a long answer, Drew. If you want to leave a comment below, tell me what you think your uh, your day you should optimize for and what you have been optimizing for.